All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter number 3, and uh, this, this story, this passage of Scripture is what's normally referred to as the fall of man. Uh, this is where we see Adam and Eve uh, sin, Adam sins, Eve sins, and, and basically uh, seals the fate for all of mankind. We're all sinners as a result of that. But I want you to notice what happens after their sin. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 17, the Bible says this, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to eat, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And here's what I want you to understand. When Adam messed up, when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, God comes along and basically explains to them that the remedy, because you got to understand, Adam must have felt bad. You know what I mean? I mean, he's in the Garden of Eden. He's in all perfection. Everything is right. Everything is good. And it all got messed up, and he's the one to blame. And God blames Adam, even more than Eve. The Bible tells us that Eve was deceived, but Adam was disobedient. And Adam was the one that messed up. And Adam was the one that takes that guilt and that shame and that depression. But it's interesting what God does for Adam is he says, hey, you know what, Adam, I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to put you to work. And he tells him, he says in verse 18, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. And I want you to understand this just by way of introduction uh, tonight. We were created to work. I mean, even before uh, the fall of man, God had told Adam that his job was to take care of the garden. But even afterwards, even more, God says to Adam, he says, look, I want you to work. I want you to sweat. I want you to, 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 to work with your hands and do something productive in, in providing for your family. And I believe this, that oftentimes, you know, I will uh, talk to people and deal with people and people will ask me questions and they'll be depressed or they'll be discouraged. And what I have found most of the time, I won't say 100% of the time, but most of the time I found that the people that are depressed and discouraged are usually the people that aren't being active and aren't working. When Adam messed up, God said, hey, man, I want you to get to work. Now, keep your finger there in Genesis 3. We're going to come right back to it, but go with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 3. You find this all throughout the Bible. Let me just show you some, some passages. 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 3, look at verse number 10. In the New Testament, if you can find the T-books, 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus, all the T-books are clustered together. Find 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, and look at verse 10. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Be nice of our uh, government. Figure that out. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Now notice, what would God consider some walking among you disorderly? Notice what he says, working not at all, but are busy bodies. A busy body, it sounds like they're busy, but they're really not busy. They're just, you ever met someone who says, it seems like they're doing a lot, but they're not accomplishing anything? 
You know, they're in everybody's business, but they're not really doing anything. They're not about any business. And he says, look, we hear that some of you walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but our busy buddies, look, look at verse 12, not them, uh, now them that are such, we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, notice what he says. He says, Here, here's the answer to the problem, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. See, God ordained for us, and specifically here referring to men, to work. And I, I believe a man cannot be happy unless he works. Uh, a man that is not working, you, you find a man that's not working, and I'm not talking about, you know, income. I understand men, you know, men retire, sometimes they have disabilities, but, but I still believe you ought to be active in something. I think you ought to give yourself to something. I, I think you ought to be doing something, accomplishing something. You find a man that's depressed, and you'll probably find a man that's not accomplishing a lot with his life, and, and that's one of the reasons they may be depressed or discouraged. You're there in Second Thessalonians, go to First Timothy. Chapter number 5, you're there in 2 Thessalonians, just turn one book over. 1 Timothy chapter 5, look at verse number 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8. 1 Timothy 5, 8, the Bible says this, but if, any, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. See, God, God says, look, if you're a believer and you don't provide for your family, man, he says you're worse than an infidel. Now, I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 3, because the Bible here, the, these passages are mainly referring to men, although today in our society, many women work jobs, and, and, and I, I believe God's perfect will for, uh, would be for a mother to be able to stay home and raise her children at home, and I understand that not everybody can do that because of the way that life works out and the, the, the way that things happen, but I, I believe in a perfect world, that would be the best thing uh, for, for a family to be able to do. But, but notice, even sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to individuals and you'll say, oh, um, does your wife work? It's like, well, she's a stay-at-home mom. And they're, and they're like, oh, so she doesn't work. And it's like, well, you obviously don't know what a stay-at-home mom does. Because, uh, yeah, she does work, you know. And God ordained for women to work as well. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse number 16. Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse number 16. Notice, God told Adam, I want you to work. I want you to sweat. I want you to labor. But God told Eve in Genesis 3.16, he says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He says, you're going to have children, and you're going to raise children. Go down to verse number 20. Notice what Adam says about Eve. In verse 20 it says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. God told men, you got to work. You got to sweat. You got to get to work. But then he, he gave women a great responsibility, that of Raising children and having children. And by the way, that's a lot of work. And let me, let me show you that from the scriptures. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. We're all familiar with the famous Proverbs 31, virtuous woman, the great woman in Proverbs 31. And that, that, that should be a great, uh, you know, goal for uh, all women. They ought to strive to try to meet the qualifications of that Proverbs 31 woman. But let me show you what the Bible says about a Proverbs 31 woman. For those of you that may think, oh, if you just stay home and homeschool your children and raise your children, you must have it easy. Things must be, uh, you know, easy peasy for you. Hey, look, the Bible actually uh, refers to this virtuous woman as a very hard worker. You're there in Proverbs 31. Look at verse number 13. Proverbs 31 and verse number 13. Notice what the Bible says. She seeketh wool and flocks. And I want you to notice these words. Worketh willingly with her hands. She's not just sitting at home watching soap operas. She's not just sitting at home on Facebook. She worketh willingly with her hands. Look down at verse number 15. Notice verse 15. She riseth also while it is yet night. She gets up before the sun comes up. 
Some of you, you didn't know the sun came up gradually. You'd never been up that early. And, and, but she riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion uh, for her maidens. Look at verse number 18. Same, same passage there, Proverbs 31. Look at verse 18. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Notice, her candle goes not out by night. She stays up late. She gets up early. She works willingly with her hands. Look at verse 27, Proverbs 31, verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. She's not idle. She's working. She's accomplishing. She's providing. Look look at verse number 31, Proverbs 31, verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands. And let her own, notice these words, let her own works praise her in the gates. Don't, don't ever look at one of these moms that stays home and says, oh, you don't work. No, they, they work pretty hard, actually. And you know what they don't get is they don't get a set lunch break. They don't get a set, you know, break every, every two hours, 15 minutes. They don't get to clock off. They're a mom 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And those kids have a fever. Guess who stays up with them? Not dad. Usually mom. You know, and, 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 uh, and here's the point I'm trying to make. God has ordained for all to work. I think children ought to work. Uh, you know, I think you ought to put your children to work, and, and you ought to make sure that they grow up with a good work ethic, and God has called for all of us to work. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with tonight's sermon? We've been preaching on the subject of words that will change your life, and we've been looking at different words like unity. We've been looking at words like contentment. We've been doing word studies through the Bible. Tonight, I want to preach on the subject of diligence. Diligence, But I want to begin with this idea that God has ordained for all to work. God wants everyone, men, women, and children to work. And because God has called us to work, and we find our, 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 our contentment and our satisfaction in the work that we do, God wants us to be diligent. Now, what's the difference between a worker and a diligent worker? Here's the definition of the word diligence. It means Constant and earnest effort to accomplish that which is undertaken. Persistent, uh, persistent exterior of body or mind. Basically, the word diligence means hard working, hard worker. And I want to preach to you tonight on this subject and the idea because God has called us all to work. But you know, in our work, we ought to be diligent. We ought to be hard workers. Something that, that describes our lives ought to be, we ought to be able to look at a man and say, that is a diligent man. He has diligence. We ought to be able to look at, at a woman, whether you work a job or whether you stay home. We ought to be able to say, that, that is a diligent lady. That, those are diligent children. Those are hard working people. And tonight, just very quickly, I want to give you seven characteristics of diligent people. The Bible describes for us what a diligent person looks like. And I want to show those to you in Scripture. Now, are you there in, are you still in, in First and Second Thessalonians? I don't know if you're still there. But if you go back, uh, backwards from Second Thess- First Thessalonians, you have the book of Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 3 and look at verse number 23. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse 23. I want to give you seven characteristics of a diligent person. And I'll try to do it as quickly as I can tonight. Seven characteristics of a diligent person. Maybe you can write these down, study them out later. Uh, You know, hang, put 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 them on a piece of paper, put them on your uh, on your mirror, and 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 review them every day. We we all ought to do that. But number one, diligent people embrace work. Diligent people embrace work. Look at Colossians three twenty three. The Bible says this: "And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily." 
do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. Now, the word heartily means to do it with your heart. Obviously, you can see that word there. It means without restraint. It means exuberantly. It means vigorously. It means don't hold back. And here's what you got to understand about a diligent person. Here's what you got to understand about someone who has diligence in their life. A diligent person embraces work. A diligent person looks at a task that needs to be done, and instead of saying, ah, I'm going to try to put that off, or I don't know about that, or I'm just going to get myself halfway through it, a diligent person says, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well, I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to do it heartily. So often I will find people, go to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you don't mind. Ecclesiastes, chapter number 9. You were there in Proverbs 31. Right after the book of Proverbs is the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, and look at verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. The Bible says this, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Here's what God's saying. If you're going to do it, if you're going to take the time to do something, do it right. If you're going to take the time to do something, put your might into it. Put your work into it. Do it heartily. He says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Here's what he's saying. You're going to die someday, and you're not going to be able to get any work done. You might be saved, and you might be in heaven, but guess what? In heaven, you don't get to raise your children again. You don't get to have that marriage again. You don't get to start that business again. You don't get to live that life again. And God says, look, if you're going to do something, do it right. If you're going to do something, do it with your heart. If you're going to do something, get into it. Do it with thy might. And so often I find people and I see people and they're so discouraged. And I, and I, I feel like one of the reasons they're so discouraged is because they're trying to find the path of least resistance. Let me explain something to you. You will be frustrated at Verity Baptist Church if you try to get in the work of the ministry. The Bible, you don't have to turn there. Ephesians 4.12 calls the work we do here, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, calls it the work of the ministry. Now, why does he call it the work of the ministry? Here's why he calls it the work of the ministry, because the ministry is work. And in 2 Timothy 4.5, uh, Paul told Timothy, you don't have to turn there, but he said, do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is what you and I would call a soul winner. Someone, you know, most people think of an evangelist, they think somebody goes around and preaches. But in the Bible, the Bible definition of an evangelist is someone who's evangelizing, reaching people. Now, here's what he does. He calls it the work. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Why does he call it work? Because I don't know if you've ever gone soul winning, but it's a lot of work. I don't know if you ever tried to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's a lot of work. He says, do the work of an evangelist. He says, do the work of the ministry. Paul would tell Timothy, he said, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Because the ministry is work. You know, people, sometimes people say, oh, a pastor, you work once a week. I, I wish. You know, you know, and, and uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to do much. You have to do it. But look, the work, but, but here's, here's let, me, let me just help you out. You will be happier at Verity Baptist Church, and you'll be happier at your job. And ladies, you will be happier at home if you just realize raising four children, raising five children, raising six children, how many church, children God has blessed you with, it's a lot of work. Just embrace it. See, people get all frustrated, like, well, I have to go to church on Sunday morning, and if I want to do what, 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 what you know, everybody else is doing, or if I want to do what, what I think God would like me to do, then I have to go back on Sunday night, then I have to go back on Wednesday night, then I have to show up for sewing on Saturday, then he wants me to read nine chapters a day, and then he's going to tell me i got to pray, and then he's going to tell me to do this, and then he's going to say that, and you get all frustrated because we try to figure out what's the easiest way I can get this done. You're going to live a frustrated life if you don't just decide, you know what, this is what I do on Sunday nights. I give myself to the church. 
This is what I do on Wednesday night. I don't, there's no temptation for anything else. I just decided Wednesday night or church night, Sunday night or church night, Saturday morning or soul winning, and I just embrace it. Because if you just constantly try to figure out what's the best way, easiest way I can try to get this done, you'll live a frustrated life. See, diligent people embrace work. They say, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it heartily. I'm going to do it without restraint. I'm going to give myself to it. I'm not going to hold back. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with all my might. I'm going to get involved in the work. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 15. We're going to look at a lot of passages in Proverbs tonight. Uh, so we're just going to go back and forth a lot from Proverbs. We'll leave it a little bit, but we'll come back to it. But uh, go to Proverbs 15. Number two, I've got to give you seven. Number one, we said diligent people embrace work. Number two, diligent people don't allow difficulty to stop them. Diligent people don't allow difficulty to stop them. Proverbs 15, 19 says this, the way of the slothful. Okay, a, a slothful is a Bible word for lazy. You ever heard of a sloth? What's a sloth? They sleep like 23 hours a day or something, right? The way of the slothful man, notice what it says, is in hedge of thorns. But the way of the righteous is made plain. So what's, what's he saying? Here's what he's saying. A lazy person always has something to stop them. A slothful person always has a hedge of thorns. You tell a lazy person, I need to get this done, and and they don't come back and say, I got it done. They say, well, here's why I couldn't get it done. There was a hedge of thorns. There's, there's, There's something stopping me. There's something making it difficult. I could have done it if I didn't have to climb that hedge. I would have climbed the hedge, but it had thorns. I can't get it done. I'm not able to. A diligent person does not allow difficulty to stop them. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 4. Proverbs chapter 20. Now in Proverbs 15, 19, he used this word slothful. In Proverbs 20 and verse 4, he uses another word that's not any better. Notice what he says. Proverbs 20 and verse 4, he says, the sluggard. What's a slug? Not very active. What's a slug? Not very productive. Look, these are not words you want coming up in your review, you know, with your boss. You know, your boss gives you a yearly review. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want, you don't want the question asked, how do you, how do you describe your employee? You don't want these words to be there, sloth and slug, all right? Those are not good things. There's not, there's not, that doesn't mean you're doing a good job, all right? And here's what, G, what the Bible says, Proverbs 20, 20 and verse 4, the sluggard, notice, the sluggard will not plow. Why? By reason of the cold. Because it's hard. Because it's cold. Therefore, shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. See, diligent people don't allow difficult things to stop them. Diligent people say, oh, it's cold on Saturday morning. I'm just going to go soul winning anyway. Oh, it's raining on Sunday night. I'm just going to get an umbrella and go to church anyway. Diligent people say, I'm just going to get it done. I'm not going to allow anything to stop me. I'm going to give myself and embrace the work, and then I'm not going to allow difficulty to stop me. If the hedge of thorns shows up, I'll figure out how to get around it. If, if it gets cold, I'll, I'll get some mittens. I'll grab a jacket. I'll do what i got to do, but I'm going to get this done. That's what a diligent person does. Go to Proverbs 21. Look at verse 25. Proverbs 21, verse 25. Proverbs 21, 5. Notice what the Bible says. The desire of the slothful killeth him. For his hands refuse to labor. He can't get his hands to do because labor is work. Labor is hard. See, diligent people don't allow difficulties to stop them. So we said, number one, diligent people embrace work. Number two, diligent people do not allow difficulty to stop them. Number three, go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. Look at verse number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. 
in verse number 6. Number 3, diligent people don't need to be supervised. Diligent people do not need to be supervised. Look at Proverbs 6, look at verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. He says there's something you can learn about the ant if you're lazy. There's something you can learn about the ant if you're a sluggard. Notice verse 7. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. See, a hard worker doesn't need their boss over their shoulder making sure they're getting the work done. A hard worker can just have their boss say, here's what I need you to do, and it's as good as done. A diligent person does not need to be supervised, does not need to be micromanaged, does not need someone just breathing down their throat and saying, are you getting it done? Are you getting it done? A hard worker is like an ant who having no guide or overseer or ruler, they just get their job done. Now, you got to train your children to be able to work without being supervised. you got to train your children to be able to get things done, especially you homeschooling parents. Train your children, moms, that you can, you can say to them, hey, I'm going to have you do this work. This is individual work. You do that on your own. I'm going to go work with this other child, and when I get back, I expect it to be done. And train them to get that work done because lazy people need someone to always be pushing them, someone to make sure they're getting things done, someone to be, you know, uh, just over them. But the Bible says that a sluggard can consider the ways of an ant who needs no guide, overseer, or ruler. And by the way, this is what it takes to be a business owner. One of the things I try to do a lot is, is emphasize, I try to encourage people to start their own businesses. And, you know, it's interesting. Our church has about 130, 135 people in it, 140 people in it. And I was talking to a pastor. I've shared this with you before. I was talking to a pastor of a church who, who his church has maybe 200 people in it. And we're talking about business owners in, in our different churches. And he said in his church, there, there's three business owners. I told him, in our church, there's eight business owners. And he said, wow, you have a lot of business owners. Uh, in our church, and I don't know if we just attract business owners or maybe because uh, I try to encourage guys to start their own business and, and, and work for themselves. I think that's great. But listen to me. Don't start your own business if you can't work without being supervised. Because when you start your own business, you got to be able to get out of bed, and no one's going to be sitting there waiting for you to get out of bed or calling you. When I was in the military, it was really, hard, it was really easy for me to get out of bed at 4 a.m. Because if I didn't get out of bed at 4 a.m., I was going to be running a lot. But now that I'm a pastor, you know, I don't have to get out of 4 a.m. Nobody's sitting there telling me, get out of bed. So you work for God. God, God doesn't say, get out of bed, it's 4 a.m. God doesn't say, get out of bed, it's 5 a.m. You know, and if you're going to work for yourself, you got, and here's the thing, those of you that don't work for yourself, you got to work as if you're working for yourself. You ought to work as if you're, you're, this is my business that I'm running. And run it like you're the business owner. And just say, I'm not working for that guy. I'm working for God. Not with eye service as men pleasers. But I'm doing it for the Lord. Because diligent people don't need to be supervised. They need no guide. They need no overseer. They need no ruler. They get up and they just get things done. Number four, diligent people take care of their stuff. Go to Proverbs 24. Look at verse 30. Proverbs 24 Verse 30, so we said, number one, diligent people embrace work. Number two, diligent people don't allow difficulty to stop them. Number three, diligent people don't need to be supervised. Number four, diligent people take care of their stuff. Are you there in Proverbs 24? Look at verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. 
and lo, here, 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 Solomon saying, I, I, I took a walk and I went by, I went by the property that was owned by a lazy man, uh, a man void of understanding, a man that did not ha- have any understanding. And, and, and then in verse 31, he says, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. The Bible's telling us here, a lazy person does not take care of their stuff. Now listen, from time to time, all of our houses are messy. Would you agree with that? From time to time, all of our yards need some attention. Would you agree with that? From time to time, we get busy with life and things go, get, get dis, disarray. I, I, we understand that. I'm not talking about that. But listen, ladies, if your house is in a constant state of mess, it may be because you're lazy. If, if, if your things are just always just in disarray, the wall's breaking down, you know, the, the, the field is covered with nettles, nothing is getting done, nothing is being taken care of, it may be a laziness problem. Because diligent people take care of their stuff. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns. And nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And I'm not talking about from, you know, every once in a while, we all just kind of let things go, and we get busy, and we get that. But listen, we ought to strive. We ought to strive to live lives where we take care of the things that God has given us. And be good stewards of the things that God has given us and take care of those things. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. You're there in Proverbs. Go go one uh, book over. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, look at verse 18. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house uh, drop it through. We ought to be very careful to be diligent with the responsibilities and with the things that God has given us. You know, and, and look, I, I, I'm, pre- I'm preaching to myself. I, I have an issue with this. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about confessing your faults one to another. You know, you pray for my wife. I mean, good night. You know, I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, I try not to be a sloth, but sometimes I am a slob. And, and, you know, you know she, she picks up after me, and she, she takes good care of me and the kids, you know, and, and, and she does the best she can, and she, she works hard at it. But look, we ought to all desire to just take care of, of the things that God has given. God's given you a car? Take care of it. God's given you a house? Take care of it. God's given you a yard? Take care of it. God's given you clothes? You know, take care of what God has given you because diligent people take care of their stuff. Number five, diligent people, diligent people rise early. Go to Proverbs 24. Uh, Go back to Proverbs 24, look at verse 33. Proverbs 24, verse 33. Proverbs 24, verse 33. Proverbs 24, 33 says this. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Here's what he's saying. Poverty, when he says, thy poverty come as one that traveleth, here's what he's saying. Poverty, which means being poor, which means being broke, which means not not being able to take care of yourself. He says, it's coming to visit if you sleep a lot. He said, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. He said, you being in want, it's going to be like an army attacking you. You're going to be in want for all sorts of things if you 
sleep. Because notice, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Go, go back to Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 13. You're there in Proverbs 24? Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 13. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 13. Proverbs 20, 13. The Bible says this, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. And listen to me, I'm not, I, this might not be politically correct, but that's okay. I, I, don't, I don't try to be politically correct. You go soul winning with me in the poor areas of Sacramento at, at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. And, and noon, and you know what you will find? People asleep in the middle of the day by, by the majority, tons of people. And they sit there and they say, I'm poor because of my situation. I'm poor because, be, be, because the, 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 the lot that was given me. I'm poor because the way that I was raised and my children and, and, and my parents or my skin color. I'm poor because, you know, I was born on this side of town. And you know what? The truth of the matter is most people in this country are poor because they sleep too much. Because they don't have the character to get up and rise early. In the Bible, the people that did great things for God all rose up early in the morning. I'm not going to have you turn there. You can write these, down, write these down if you want, but let me give you some examples. The Bible says about Abraham that he rose up early in the morning. Genesis 21, 14. Genesis 22, 3. The Bible says about Jacob that he rose up early in the morning. Genesis 28, 18. The Bible says about Moses that he rose up early in the morning. Exodus 24, 4. Exodus 34, 4. The Bible says about Joshua that he rose up, that he rose early in the morning. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua chapter 6, verse 12. Joshua chapter, 15, uh, chapter 6, verse 15. Joshua chapter 7, verse 16. Joshua chapter 8, verse 10. The Bible says about Gideon that he rose up early in the morning. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says about Samuel that he rose early, 1 Samuel 15, 12. The Bible says about David that he rose up early in the morning, 1 Samuel 17, 20. 1 Samuel 29, 11. The Bible says about Hezekiah, who led a great revival, that he rose early, 2 Chronicles 29, 12. The Bible says about Job, that he rose up early in the morning, Job 1, 5. The Bible says about our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was in the morning, rising up a great while before day, Mark 1, 35. Are you seeing the common denominator with the great men that God used in the Bible? They all had one thing in common. They got up early in the morning. And we ought to be the type of people that gets up early in the morning. Especially those of you that homeschool, don't let your kids sleep in until 8 and 9 a.m. Look, you're setting them up for failure because you just let them sleep in all day long. But guess what? One day mom won't be the boss, and they'll have a boss that expects them to get to work at a certain time. And they won't be able to because you train them to be lazy. In the, you know, diligent people rise early in the morning. Benjamin Franklin said, uh, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And it's true. And I'm not saying you got to get up at 4 in the morning, but look, you got to rise. You got to get up early. You got to rise. And look, I, I understand. For those of you that don't have children, it's difficult to get up early in the morning when you've got young children. You know, whenever I meet people and they tell me just through conversation, if it comes up and they're like, oh, yeah, I naturally rise at like 5 a.m., I'm always, I used to be really interested. I'm not that interested anymore because I know what the answer is, but I used to be really interested. Somebody would say to me like, oh, I just naturally get up. No, I don't set no alarm. I just get up at 5 a.m. I always ask them like, what's your secret? How do you do? I'd, I'd love to just be able to get up at 5 in the morning, not be tired, not be grumpy, you know, just get up. And here's what I found. Here's what they all said. They go to bed at like 8 p.m. You know, and they don't have kids. 
You know, obviously, when you got kids, sometimes you got, you, it's all you can do to get them in bed by 9 p.m. And then you don't want to just go straight to bed. You want to have some time with your wife. You don't want to have some adult time where you can actually relax and, and be away from the kids. I get that, but look, we ought to all have a desire. And we ought to all be trying to be diligent to rise up early. In the Bible, diligent people rose up early. Number six, diligent people take care of their finances. Diligent people take care of their finances. Go to, go to Genesis, uh, chap- I'm sorry, not Genesis, good night, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Remember we were just there? Proverbs chapter 6. Notice, notice what it says, Proverbs chapter 6. And look, if you got four kids and you go to bed at midnight and you get up at 5 in the morning, you got a secret, I'll pay you for that secret, all right? If, if, that's, if, that, if that's it. If your kids are groaning out of the house and you go to bed at 7.30 p.m., then I, I don't want to hear it because... Good night. I'd get up early, too, if I went to bed that early. Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler. Notice, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. What is he saying? He says they, they prepare for the future. They look ahead. The ant is smart enough and diligent enough to say, hey, this food, you know, summer's not going to last. Winter's coming. The, the harvest only lasts a certain amount of time. And she provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Go to Proverbs 18. Look at verse 9. Proverbs 18, verse 9. You, gotta say, you, you, know, you, you know why most people don't save money? Because it's hard work. You know why most people don't budget? Because it's hard work. You know why most people don't pay off their debt? Because it's hard work. That's, just, that's it. just it. Diligent people take care of their finances because it takes diligence to take care of your finances. Go to Proverbs 18. Look at verse 9. Proverbs 18, verse 9. Notice what he says. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. They go hand in hand. They're related. Laziness and wasteful go together. Because, look, it's easy to just charge that card and charge that card and charge that card. How much money you got in that bank? I'm not really sure. Just keep charging it. I'll know where I'm at when they tell me I can't do it anymore. You know, It's easy to live your life that way. But if you want to be successful with your finances, it requires work. Go to Proverbs 27. Look at verse 23. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Be thou diligent... Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. You ought to to know how much money. Somebody ought to be able to walk up to you and say, how much money you got in your account right now? And you'll be able to say, I I got about this much money. How much do you have in your credit card? You you should know those things. Before you make that purchase, you ought to know, this is how much money I have. This is how much grocery money I have. This is how much gas money I have. This is where, where I am. This is how much I can spend. But you know why most people don't do that? Because it requires work. But God says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Go, to, go back to Proverbs 12. Proverbs chapter 12. So we said, number one, diligent people embrace work. Number two, diligent people don't allow difficulty to stop them. Number three, diligent people don't need to be supervised. Number four, diligent people take care of their stuff. Number five, diligent people rise early. Number six, Diligent people take care of their finances. Number seven, diligent people get promoted to leadership. Look at Proverbs 12 and verse 24. Proverbs 12 and verse 24. Proverbs 12, 24. The Bible says this. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. 
Now, being under tribute means you're, you're the one who's getting taxed. You're not the one who's ruling. You're the one who's paying. But the hand of the diligent, the Bible says, shall bear rule. Now, look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to, to make you upset. But if you've been working somewhere for 12 years or 15 years or 20 years and everybody gets promoted and, except you, and, and all the new employees, you train them, and they get, they, now they're your boss and you don't get that promotion, and even the guy that doesn't speak English gets promoted and you don't, it may be because you're lazy. Because the Bible says that the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Let me give you an example. Go, go to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter number 47. And look at verse number 5. Genesis chapter 47. And look at verse number 5. Genesis 47 and verse 5. I want you to notice what the Bible says. Genesis 47 and verse 5. Remember when Joseph had taken the, his, his family into Egypt? And uh, he's having a conversation with Pharaoh about his, his children, uh, about the children of Israel coming into the land. Notice what he says, Genesis 47, 5. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. For if thou knowest, and notice what Pharaoh says, If thou knowest any man of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. See, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was a leader. And he said, hey, Joseph, you got, you got all your family coming. But listen, if there's a man of activity, if there's a man that's productive, if there's a man that's diligent, if there's a man that's a good worker, hey, put them in charge of my cattle. Because leaders are always looking for other leaders to promote. People are always looking, uh, leaders are always looking for diligent people to, to promote. The hand of the diligent shall bear Rule. Now, now, you're there in Genesis uh, 47. Go back to Genesis 31. Let me show you something about Jacob. Je- we're almost done. I said, number one, diligent people embrace work. Number two, diligent people don't allow difficulty to stop them. Number three, diligent people don't need to be supervised. Number four, diligent people take care of their stuff. Number five, diligent people rise early. Number six, diligent people take care of their finances. Number seven, diligent people get promoted uh, to leadership. Now, I want you to notice something about Jacob. Remember when Jacob ran away from home? He left everything. And when he went to Laban, he became a very rich and wealthy man. And the Bible tells us, he describes as to how he came about that. You're there in Genesis 31. Look at verse number 38. He's having a conversation with Laban. This is after he's leaving Laban. And he's leaving Laban with his wives. And he's leaving Laban with his riches that he made while being with Laban. Look at verse 38. He says to Laban, this 20 years have I been with thee. Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. He says, I didn't, when, when I was working for you, I didn't take advantage of you. He said, I didn't, I didn't take your stuff and make it mine. He said, I didn't take longer breaks than I should have. He, didn't say, he said, I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, put on the timesheet that I was there for a certain amount of time. Well, he said, I did not rip you off while I was working for you. Look at verse 39. That which was torn of the beast, I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. He said, I just, ate, I just ate it. If it got lost, if it got, got I, I didn't even come to you and say, hey, here's what happened. He said, I just took care of it myself. He said, of my hand it's not required, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Because uh, Jacob's job was to take care of sheep. He was taking care of sheep, and he was, he was protecting them. Look at verse 40. Thus I was. Notice what he says. Thus I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night. And my sleep departed from mine eyes. You know what Jacob is saying? He's saying, here's why I'm wealthy. 
Here's why I'm successful. Because I worked hard. He said, when it was hard, he said, thus I was. In the day, the drought consumed me. He said, it was hot, and I, 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 I could have left. I could have said, this is too much. I, 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 I need my rights. But he said, I just worked through it. He said, and the frost by night, when it was uncomfortable. Remember, Proverbs said that a, a slothful man will not work by reason of cold. But Jacob, Jacob said, when it, was, when it was cold, he said, I just worked. He said, and my sleep departed from my night. He said, I didn't sleep in. He said, I worked hard. And God blessed him. And God blesses all sorts of hard work. The Bible says to all labor there is profit. We ought to be hard workers. Go to, go to Joshua chapter 18. I, I want to show you two verses. We'll finish up. Joshua chapter 18. Joshua chapter number 18. And look at verse number 1. Joshua 18 and verse 1. In Joshua 18, you have the story of the children of Israel. They, you know, the book of Joshua is about them taking the land of Canaan. And towards the end of the book, many of the children of Israel have taken the land of Canaan, for the most part. But there were some tribes that had not yet taken the land. And that's what you find in Joshua 18. Look at verse 1. If you're there in Genesis, you go past Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, into the book of uh, Joshua. Joshua 18.1. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And they, they're coming to Joshua and they're saying, hey, we haven't yet got our land. We haven't yet got what's coming to us. Notice what Joshua says in verse 3. And by the way, when I read you those references about working hard and rising up early, it said it more about Joshua than any other man. It said it multiple times about Joshua. And notice Joshua's response in verse 3. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel... How long are ye slack? He said, how long are ye slack? You know what? You ever heard of a slacker? Here's another word you don't want on your review sheet. Slacker. Okay? You're, you're slacking. You're lazy. And here's what he said. How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? He said, you know why you don't have the land? Because you're lazy. He said, you know why you don't have the land? Because you're slacking. You know why you don't have the land? Because you're a slacker. And look, in our Christian life, is the same way. God has given us a land. Whatever it is in your life, I don't know. Maybe it's to get your finances in order. Maybe it's to raise children for the glory of God. Maybe it's to lose weight. Maybe it's to, to, to I don't know what it is. Whatever it is that, you know, those, those goals that you made, January 1st, here we are, January 31st. You can't even remember what your goal sheet is. You don't even remember what your goals were. But, but here's the thing. Whatever is that land that God has given you to possess, here's the one reason you won't get it, because you're slacking. He says, you can do it. You can accomplish it. We can reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can build, uh, be used of God to build this church and to see people saved and baptized. You can have a great marriage, and you can get victory over sin, and you can raise great children. You can do whatever it is God has called you to do. That land that God has put before you, you can do it if you're diligent about it. You work hard. But Joshua said, you know why you don't have the land? Because you're slack. Because you're slacking. Because you're not diligent. Let me show you one more verse. We'll be done. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. First, first uh, verse in, in uh, first chapter. Oh, good night. First book in the New Testament. Matthew 25. Look at verse 26. Matthew 25, verse 26. This is a parable of uh, being a good steward. And it pictures when we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day, 
and we'll be judged for the things that were done in our body. And notice what the Bible says, Matthew 25, verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, notice what he says, Thou wicked and slothful servant. This was the guy that did nothing. This was the one-talent guy that buried it in the, in, the, in the land, in the dirt, didn't do anything with it. He said, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strapped. He, this, is not, this guy did not get the, these words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the, Lord, the joy of the Lord. He said, Thou wicked and slothful servant. You know the one thing I don't want when I get to heaven? The, the one thing I don't want is to get to heaven one day, have the Lord Jesus Christ meet me and say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're saved. You're a great guy. But you know what? Let me tell you, there's one thing I didn't like about you. What was it, Lord? You were lazy. You were sloth. You were wicked. Because you didn't accomplish the things that I called you to do. See, God has given you a work to do. God has given me a work to do. My work is not the same as your work. The work that God has given me is to pastor this church. The work that God has given me is to lead my wife and love my wife and be loyal to my wife and learn my wife. The things that God has given me to do is to raise those four children that he blessed me. God has given you children. God has given you a spouse. God has given you things to do with your life. Hey, be diligent with it. Work hard at it. Let's be people that work hard, that are diligent, so that when we get to heaven, we can, we can have Jesus be proud of a work we did and not say to us, thou wicked and slothful servant. Let's bow